0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 21, how Hagar in the desert saw what God had showed her by his word, and how we too have seen what God has shown us by his word, and has opened our eyes to see what can satisfy our souls. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or also available on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, to encourage you to support this Bible teaching radio program, Friendship with God, and continue it on the air, Tom Cantor is offering as a resource of the month his book called Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism. It's a tremendous book that helps you scripturally answer many questions about what is the doctrinal teaching of fatalism and fatalistic Calvinism, and he'll address such topics of can a person resist God's will, and who is that person that can resist God's will, or or are there chosen People that are just preordained to go to heaven, and some others that are ordained to go to hell. And Tom Cantor will address the topic: Did God predestinate people to die and go to hell? And he'll look at it scripturally, and he'll show each one of us that we're all faced with a personal crisis of obedience, just as many others, such as Joseph and even the Bible, we're all faced with crises of obedience. Now, this book by Tom Cantor, Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism, examines the character of God and His promises and compares them with the teaching of fatalism, or fatalistic Calvinism, and provokes each one of us with the question, well, well what if God misled? What if God lied to us? What if God didn't die and love the entire world? And the most eye-opening part of this book is that Tom Cantor himself was once a fatalistic Calvinist who believed in fatalism. Now, if you'd like a copy of this book, Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism, by Tom Cantor, it's our resource of the month for a donation of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program, You can call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore or to donate online at friendshipwithgod.org and support this Bible teaching radio program. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 21 how Hagar saw in the desert what God promised by his word and how we too can see in the desert what God promised by his word and we can have our eyes open to see that
1: only He can satisfy our souls. So Hagar walks away from the desert. She's one changed lady. She's not the same. And for Hagar, uh, uh, life after the desert was no longer about how Hagar could be advanced over Sarah. But now, for Hagar after the desert, life was all about God. And life was all about how Hagar could exalt God and because she met God, and she got her own personal life with God, and, she want, and, and that changed her. And that's the most important history in the life of Hagar. And that's the most important history in the life of anyone. It's the history of how they met God and how they got a personal life with God. That's all that matters. And we've been studying here the history of Hagar and God and, and the life of Hagar with God, which is, which, which is the most important history here. But before we leave Hagar, is a very, inter- very important picture that we see in verse 19. And God opened her eyes. She saw a well of water. She went, filled the water, bottle with water, and gave the lad to drink. See, this picture develops for us when we extract out of verse 19 the verbs. What are the verbs in verse 19? What's the first one? Opened. Okay. What's the second one? Saw. All right. What's the next one? Went, right? Next. Good. Filled and last. Gave, right. That's it. So, what was opened in verse 19? Her eyes were opened. Okay. Who opened her eyes? God did. Okay. And what did Hagar see when he opened her eyes? She saw a well of water. And what did Hagar do when she opened her eyes and, and saw the well of water? She went to it. What did Hagar do when she went What did, what did Hagar do when God opened her eyes? She saw the cell. Of, she saw the well of water and and, and went to it. Filled she filled the filled the bottle. What did Hagar do when she opened when God opened her eyes? She saw the well of water. She went to it, filled the bottle. Guys, okay. I feel like singing. Hot God, yo, Had God, yo. <laughs> All right. She gave Ishmael drink. Okay. So those verbs describe for us. In a wonderful picture, our relationship to the Bible. When we open the Bible, we don't just sit down and say, okay, it's a nice evening now, fire's going to the fireplace, got a nice hot cup of something, and now I'm, I'm, I'm interested in being entertained a little bit, so I'm going to go read the Bible. Or I think I'll, I'll, I think I'll go read an interesting history in the Bible, and, and you know, like you sit down with the good book. We don't come that way to the Bible. We come to the Bible with the Jeremiah 29, 13 attitude of seeking God with all the heart. And that's what Ab- that, that that's what ha- We see here with Hagar in verse 16 when it says, She lift up her voice and wept. Boy, she was she had that 20. That's the Jeremiah 29, 13 attitude, seeking God with all her heart. And that's what we do when we come to the Bible. Then the first verse. That we see first verb in verse 19 is the open the eyes. That's the open the eyes experience that happens to us. God opens our eyes, which is which is why we pray with David from Psalm 119, 18. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Then the second verb of verse 19 is important. She saw A well of water. And that happens to us. We see something we never saw before in the Bible, or we get impressed with something that we did see before, but now we're really impressed with it. And so we see this truth in the Bible, and God has opened our eyes to see it. We realize that our eyes were closed to this truth, or we weren't impressed with it, and God has now opened up our eyes with it. And we also realize that what God has opened our eyes to is it got the potential to quench our thirst, it's like a well of water in the desert. So like Hagar, we understand that what God has opened our eyes to is just what we need, just what our thirsty souls need. It has the potential. And that's a beautiful picture that we see there of the opening of the eyes when the Lord Jesus Christ opened the eyes of two blind men in Matthew nine twenty-seven through 30 when it says, and when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou, son of David, have mercy on us. And he was come into the house. The blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. See, here were two men, probably born uh, uh, blind, born blind, like the man in John 9, and, and they have the, therefore they have the Jeremiah 29, 13 attitude, seeking God with all their heart, crying out, Son of David, have mercy on us. Then it says, he, op- he touches their eyes, he opens their eyes, their eyes were opened, and then it says immediately, and Jesus straightly charged them. So in other words, when their eyes were opened, the first thing they see, the first person they see is the Lord Jesus Christ, he's right there. He's just opened their eyes and he sees, and they see him. That's wonderful. That's, the, that, that, that's wonderful. Because that's how we think of death. At death, our eyes will become closed, and then we'll open them, and we'll see the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a hope. That's a wonderful hope. That's Larry Freeman hope. He's born blind. And, and he says he's happy that way, because the first person he's going to see is the Lord Jesus Christ, like in this part here in Matthew, where it talks about the opening. Of the eyes, okay. Now, so what? So, that. so now we're we're continuing on. God has shown us in the Bible, we realize that that that, that just because God has opened our eyes and, and 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 we see something that can satisfy our souls, that we have a responsibility, we have to take action. That's the third verb. She went, and that means we have to go to this portion here, and as we go into the portion here. In other words, we have to make a conscious decision. We will delight ourselves in what God has showed us. And that's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 1, verse 2, when it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And that's the fourth verb, the filling of the bottle, which is the symbolic of the, the, the thinking about it, and the, 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 the part that God has showed us in the Bible, the mulling on it. The looking at the truth from this angle and that angle, the meditating of it all on that part there. And so, and as that happens, then we're filled, filled ourselves. As he said, I'm the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth in me shall never thirst. And then as we do that, then the fifth verse, the fifth verb in verse 19 becomes important to us. She gave the lad drink. She drinks herself, she gave the lad drink. And that means that the same scriptures that God has used to satisfy our souls, to impress us with, that we turn and we feed that to others. And that was the key point that God loved about King David. It says in Psalm 78, verse 70 and 72, He chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes great with young. He brought them he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. In other words, God fed the Jewish people through David their king. God guided the Jewish people through David their king. See, the rabbis who are the shepherds over the Jewish people, they have, whether they, agree, whether they believe it or accept it or acknowledge it or not, they have a responsibility before God to feed the Jewish people. I always tell this to my rabbi, my rabbi friends. I don't care what they taught you in Hebrew, Hebrew Union University or University of Judaism. I don't care what they taught you there. You have a responsibility before God to feed the Jewish people, as David did, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, and, 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 and they don't. And that's why God says in Jeremiah 3.15, I'll replace them. I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Pastors according to the heart of God feed the sheep with the knowledge of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And, and, and they feed them like, like, the, like the hymn, O oh, 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 for a Thousand Tongues you read that hymn, it's, it's all about he, he, him, him, he, he, he did this. He, you know, and, and that's the feeding, of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jeremiah 23, 4 through 6, he says, I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and, sh- and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice, the earth, in his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. So the verse teaches us that God sets up, or set up over the Jewish people, shepherds who will feed the Jewish people, and they'll feed them by teaching them about the righteous branch. There's only one righteous branch that ever came from anybody, but, but from David, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when that happens, Judah saved. And you know they're saved because they say, He's our righteousness. The Lord's our righteousness. So, sequence. Filling the bottle, which is like filling our soul, and then giving it to another to be fed, is what Paul was referring to when he said in 1 Timothy four fifteen through 16 when he was talking to Timothy, he said, Timothy, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, like going to a well and filling a bottle, that thy profiting may appear to all, Take heed unto thyselves, unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Like giving drink to others. All right, now, we read in verse 21 that he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. So, the wilderness of Paran, that, that's currently uh, in, in, in the, uh, the south. So if you were to look, for example, at... Uh, you know the Mediterranean Sea up here, for example, and 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 the uh, and the Suez you know canal coming down here, and the Suez Canal is here. And if you go straight over to Jordan, is Petra is here, and then right down about here, kind of like a triangle, is this desert of, of uh, that they're talking about, Paran or Lt as it's called today, and and that's where they went down there in the middle, the middle lower portion of the Sinai Desert, and and then we read in this verse, that Hagar took for Ishmael, an Egyptian wife, from her own home. So that's what she did. Anyways, I don't think there were very many wives for the picking down there, so she had to go someplace to get him a wife. All right, so now, now we see in verse 22 where it says, And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. So here we find Abimelech. Abimelech is now surfaced again. We saw him in the last chapter. And you remember, he had taken Sarah into his harem because, uh, because Abraham had lied to him, and, but he didn't touch her. And then God said, if you do touch her, you're a dead man, and, and he restores So here he is again. Here's Abimelech. And he's coming with this, with this most trusted right-hand man named Phicol here, whose name means the mouth of all. And he's, he's probably the highest officer. And so, in other words, when Phicol speaks, he's, he's speaking for everyone. And, and so what, what, do they, what do they have to say to Abraham? In verse 22, it says, And God is with thee in all that thou doest. So uh, just imagine the meeting. You know? I mean, uh, the, you know, here, Here's the king of the Philistines. Philistines haven't exactly been the most friendly people to the Jewish people. And Abraham starting as well. But anyway, he comes here, and, and, and they also haven't been the most uh, consistent. Things seems to always go bad with the Philistines, whether you're talking about Abraham, Samson, or David. Things have a tendency to change. So yeah, the king of the Philistine, he's coming with his trusty general, Fico, And Abraham's wondering, wondering as he sees him, what are they coming here for? What are they coming here for? And so this big entourage, and they sit down, and what do they say? He says, God is with thee in all that thou doest. And Abraham's thinking to himself, you came all the way here to tell me that? You know, he says that God is with me in all I do? So that's what you came to tell me? That's what this whole meeting's about, that God is with me? And you know, let's go ahead. So, but it's quite a statement. And, and, and what they're saying it, it, when they said that is that we've been watching you. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful statement, actually. God is with you in all that thou doest. It's what we want for our lives, don't we? I mean, it's what, it's what Moses said in, in Exodus 33, 15, when he said to God, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. See, Moses was saying that he wanted God to be with him in all things that he did. He didn't say... If your presence go not with us, carry us, not up hence. But what he said is, If thy presence go not with me, carry us, not up hence. That's very important. Because Moses had this, this tremendous monkey on his back, called the Jewish people, that he had to carry and transport from Egypt to, to Canaan. And so you know, he, he felt absolutely enabled. And so he said, If you don't go with me, then don't take us there. And so that's what he was saying there. So how did Abimelech and Phicol know that God was with Abraham in all that he did? Well, they knew because they were watching Abraham in all that he did. And as as they watched him, they said, you know what? Maybe they talked to each other, I don't know. They said, you know, there's no other explanation for good that's happening to Abraham other than God's with him in all things that he does. And what did they see when they looked at Abraham, this man? They watched him They said, did they see a righteous man? Well, not exactly. I mean, they saw Abraham and his weakness and how in his fear he lied to them and, and so forth, led him through deceit into a dangerous place, be getting in the crosshairs of God. That's a dangerous place to be. They, they knew that Abraham had a lot of trouble in his home. They knew about his, his, uh, his, uh, his relationship with Hagar and Ishmael and and, and he didn't look like a righteous man. They knew how, 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 how a- Abraham was also cro- caught in the crosshairs, not of God, but of Sarah, and how as a result he had to throw out his son and Hagar. They, they saw this. But what's very important to see in what Abimelech and, and Phicol said is what they did not say. They did not say, we know you are a righteous man. They didn't say that and they said, we know that God is with you in all things that you do. When you're fearful, God is with you. When you're in trouble, when you got yourself in trouble, God was with you. When you're moving around in our land, God is with you. When you're in your home, God is with you. When you're working in your field, God is with you. When you're running your work crews, God is with you. And when when you're at your altar, God is with you. God is with thee in all things which thou, thou doest. See, they didn't say, we think god is with you They said it a fact god is with you in all things that you do and what impressed them is how god was with them in everything he did and and, and so abraham you know as we said he looks at he looks at abimelech and the fact says he came all came all this way to tell me this so but but we see from the next verse that abimelech is worried so in verse 23 it says now therefore swear unto me here by god that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's sons, grandson, in other words, but according to the kindness I've done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me to the land wherein thou sojourned. So, what we need to do now is to think about and just establish a little bit in our minds the timeline that we're talking about here. The last time Abraham has any dealings with, with Abimelech is the, is the last chapter, chapter 20. And at that time, you remember, you know, we talked about it. He was afraid. Abraham was afraid. He lies. And, and, uh, but but uh, Abraham does have the child with Hagar. So you, know, so, you know, pass that off, that Sarah's his sister. I mean, he's got a wife. Anyway. So, um, so, and then, you know, Abimelech gets in a lot of trouble with God over this. And Abimelech restores to Abraham his wife, Sarah. And, and then, at the beginning of this chapter, Sarah gets pregnant with Isaac. Sarah has Isaac. So let's say that maybe it's a year uh, before Isaac is born from the time, let's give it a year, from the time that Abraham says goodbye to Abimelech at the end of, verse, uh, at the, end of the last chapter 20. And uh, so let's give it a year and Isaac's born. And now in this chapter we've read how Isaac's weaned. So let's give that four years. So, it's, so let's just say it's at least five years since Abraham has met Abimelech. You know, it wasn't yesterday this happens at least five years so now abimelech now abimelech appears on the scene he's very worried and he's coming to abraham deeply worried and what is abimelech worried about in verse 23 he says he says you won't deal falsely with me nor with my son nor with my son's sons and so forth he's very worried that abraham should not deal deceitfully should not injure him by deceit Like he did last time, with his and and, and this also should apply to his son and his grandson. Now uh, we know there was a basis for Abimelech saying this, you know, because because that's what happened. But it, it, but, but Abimelech felt back then that Abraham had trapped him and put him right in the crosshairs of God. Uh, You know, in in, in Genesis twenty verse three, when he said, "God came to Abimelech." in a dream by night, and said unto him, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. And then when he came to Abraham, in, in, uh, in, in the chapter, he says, But God came to Abimelech. No, I said that. But when he came to Abraham, what he said to him was, It's not right what you've done, and, and, and these things ought not to have been done. So in other words, he's talking about, You have endangered me and my people. Now that was over five years ago that that happened. It's taken five years, over five years, for Abimelech to realize that he needs to take a step. He needs to make sure that Abraham never does this again, because it endangered the whole lives of the whole Philistine people. And it appears that it took over five years for Abimelech to know that that he had to do something now, that something had to happen. So it's been over five years, and something has been happening in Abimelech. For over five years, the events in the last chapter have been percolating in Abimelech's mind. He's been thinking about it. And Abimelech has been slowly thinking about what happened, and he's been slowly coming to a realization that he needs to take an action and get an agreement with Abraham. Now, maybe no one saw this percolation that was going on in Abimelech's mind. But certainly, if anybody knew about it, it it, it would have been Phicol here. He would have, they would have talked about it. Or it might have been that even Phicol didn't know that that Abimelech had been mulling this over for such a long time until maybe he announced to Phicol, okay, we've got to do something. So the question is, why did it take over five years for Abimelech to realize that he needed to get this promise from Abraham to never do it again? Well, why did it take him over five years? What was, what, what, what was to come to this conclusion? The fact that we don't know why it took him over five years. That's the answer. We don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it took him over five years. I don't know why it took him over five years. But the truth is, it took him over five years. And there's a lesson for us in that. There's a lesson. Why? Because we talk to many lost people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the response that we get back is the pushback. When we talk to them, we get the pushback of, well, if you found religion, then that's good for you. But it's not for me. Pushback. Or we get the rejection of, well, Jesus Christ is not for the Jewish people. Or, you know, God is not for the scientific mind. Oh. Anyway. And so that is the rejection. Or we get the despising of, you know, there have been, there have been more wars fought for religious reasons than for any other reasons. Or we get the insults of, well, you know, you can't live your life on your own, so you need a crutch of religiosity. And this is all that we get. And we walk away thinking, there's no hope for that person. The person is is hopeless. And in some cases, those same people with the pushback, the rejection, the despising, the insults, they might be, you consider, consider them like Abimelech in chapter 20. But... Truth has lodged in their souls.
0: Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, if you're enjoying Tom Cantor's teaching on Friendship with God as you're driving, listening at home, or downloading on the go, and you're growing in the knowledge of God and your walk with God, and you want to continue listening to this Old Testament Bible teaching radio program where Tom Cantor is able to communicate a modern-day expression of the Old Testament, and we want to encourage you to continue this Bible teaching radio program on your station in your city, and we'll give you Tom Cantor's Life Story on DVD and in a booklet form. Call us now at 800 3051 for a donation of any amount to the Friendship with God radio program today. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051 or donate or support us online at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening. Join us tomorrow.